There was a young couple who got married. And uh, when my dad told me the story, he he's just made up some names. He said it didn't matter what the couple's names were. Um, but he said, we'll just call them Sonny and Kate. This, <laughs> this young couple got married. And the uh, first day they were home after their honeymoon, and, and they got up in the morning and came down to the kitchen table and kind of looked at each other. And, and they said, well, something's missing. Where's the coffee? And she looked at him and said, well, you're supposed to brew the coffee. And he looked at her and said, no, you're supposed to brew the coffee. And he said, no, listen, it's the woman's job to be in the kitchen and make the coffee. And she said, no, it's not. He said, well, who told you this? She said, it's in the Bible. It's the man's job to make the coffee. And he said, it's not in the Bible. Come on now. And she said, yeah, it is. He said, show me. So she goes over and gets the Bible and starts flipping through the pages, and eventually she turns around and holds it up, and she says, it's right there. He brews. <laughs> it's amazing what you can find in the Bible. And my, my dad called me yesterday just specifically to tell me that. He said, listen, you need to hear this. And sometimes we can find fun things in the Bible. Other times, it, it can be a little more stressful. This week, I had one of those stressful times. And I had one of those things that I think every Christian dreads happening. And this is what happened. is I was sitting in a room with three Bible scholars as they all asked me questions about the Bible, and I had to answer them, or else I don't get to graduate. <laughs> Now, you guys go through life just dreading that happening. Well, maybe, maybe not three Bible scholars, but, but we can be scared of the time when we sit down and someone says to us, hey, hey, what about this? And, and we don't know where the answer is. Or, or what about, where does it say this in the Bible? And we say, oh, oh I, I, I don't know. Let me go ask someone. It, it's a scary thing. And these professors, you know, I thought they were going to take it easy on me because I know, I know the three of them. That's why I picked those three and, and why they were going <laughs> to... You know, that's what I hoped for. But the first professor sat down, and uh, he said, all right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you some situations, and I want you to tell me how you would respond to these situations. And he was the pastoral leadership or the practical ministry professor. And, and I said, okay, this, this sounds good. We'll start off with something easy, just nice situational stuff. And the first thing he said to me was, all right, this is the situation. You get a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning, and someone's relative in your congregation has died. What do you do? Dr. Shannon, I thought you were going to go easy on me to start with. So I, I said, you know, I'd go and, and told him some different things, things that he talked about in class. And he said, all right, you go and you do all those things. And they say to you, why did God make this happen? Why did God take my husband from me? Why did God take my father from me? Why does God let evil happen in this world? Where, where did evil come from? I'm thinking, oh, man, I thought, I thought it was going to get easy questions, but he went right for it, just right for the throat. Where these big questions? And it got me thinking about that. Why do bad things happen? Where, where does evil come from? And if we want to find that out, I think we've got to start, start at the beginning. And at the beginning, we had a blank slate. And in John chapter 1, verse 3, it says talking about Jesus. Through him all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And what this means to us is that at the beginning, God created. And when he created, everything was good. He goes through each day and says it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. He creates man and says it was very good. And then he creates the Sabbath day and says that's not just good, that's holy. So, so far, everything's good and everything's looking good. And then we look at, at John chapter 1, verse 3, and we find out that God, that creation there, that was it. As far as things being created, nothing was made except through God. Nothing was made except through God. And everything that God's made so far has been good. But then in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, and that's where we're going to look today, things change. That nice, clean world God created, it starts to, to get dirty. And starts to go from being nice and clean and orderly and, and perfect, and starts getting dirty and wrong and, and twisted. And all of a sudden, that, that nice, white, good things that, that God created somehow just goes through this process and, and it winds up black. And all the light that God had made turns into darkness. And you know what? That hasn't stopped. We live in, in a world that is twisted. A world that is not the way that, that God made it at the beginning. And it isn't just the world around it, it around us. It's, it's the way that, that we, that all people look at things. The way that, that we make decisions in our life. The way that, that we're affected by things that happen to us. It all gets twisted. And it's something that that has been dealt with since, since the very beginning of time, since Genesis chapter 3. How, ever since this happened, we've been dealing with it. And not just this one time, but it happens over and over and over again. And if we want to know why this happens, I think we need to, to look at how it happens. Because the pattern stays the same. And we're going to talk about that pattern for a while and, and look at how it impacts different things in our life. But today I want to talk about the pattern itself. And, and it starts, Genesis chapter 3 starts with the introduction of a new character. Here in chapter 3 verse 1 it says, Now the serpent. And he's introduced to us as the serpent. But if we go through the rest of the Bible we're going to hear about different things. He's called the devil. He's called Satan, he's called the tempter, the accuser, the adversary. He's called a number of things. But there's one thing and only one thing that we really need to know about him to understand. And that comes again from John in chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus talks about the devil in this case. And he says, when he lies, the devil, he speaks his native language for, and I'm going to need your guys' help on this. I want you to read the underlined parts with me. All right, so when I get to the underlined parts, you just go right along with me. It says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. One more time, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's important, because lies play a big part in how these things get twisted around. They play a big part in how we go from seeing things the way God wants us to see them to seeing them in a, in a way that's wrong, a way that's not 
what God has in mind and not what's best for us. Now, chances are, nowadays, if you see a snake and it starts talking to you, we're not going to do what it says. Probably we're going to run in the other direction. And if this guy shows up and starts talking to you, this idea of the devil that we have, some guy who's either dressed in red or colored red who has a pointy beard and horns, we're not going to do what he says either. We're going to go in the opposite direction. Because we've, we've learned that that's, that idea is wrong. And Satan played that trick once in the garden, showed up and started talking as an animal. And that trick's kind of over. That was a one-time deal. That's not the way it works anymore. Now, he's much craftier than that. And it says right there, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that God had made. He's crafty. And he's not going to do something like that because it, it's not going to work. We've all... You've, we've all heard the stories of trading your soul to the devil for whatever, whatever idea, whether that's the, the classical Faust version or whether that's the devil went down to Georgia version. There's one that's kind of somewhere in between. It was written by Charles-Pierre Baudelaire, who was a French man, French man? a Frenchman, who um, was really known for, for kind of being a bad guy. And he wrote about all the stuff of, of what the, the joys and the pleasures that he found in doing all these things wrong. But he wrote one short story called The Generous Gambler, which is one of these stories about a guy who, who runs into the devil and has a conversation with him and then winds up getting the short end of the deal. But in talking with the devil, there's only two direct quotes that he gives from the devil. The other time, it's kind of a generalization. The devil talked about this or he talked about this. He said... He asked the devil, have you ever been scared? And the devil said, only once. And that one time that I was scared was I heard a country preacher. And the country preacher was up in front of his audience and he said to him, the loveliest trick of the devil is to persuade you that he does not exist. The loveliest trick of the devil is to persuade you that he does not exist. Now that's crafty, because it's hard to fight against an enemy if you think the enemy doesn't exist, right? And so many times in, in life today, we think that the devil doesn't exist. And part of that is because we hear about these other conspiracy theories, that there's some evil force that's out to get us, that's out to do all this bad. And people who espouse these conspiracy theories sometimes can be a little, you know, and we, try, we tend to lump this in with those, people who say that 9-11 was planned by our government or that we never really landed on the moon, these conspiracy theories, these big, wild, crazy things, and we lump the devil in with those. Well, there's not some evil person who's against us, but what better, craftier, more lie-filled thing could there be than for us to believe that? But let's look in Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at at what happens and how things get twisted. First thing that we have is the devil appears in the form of a serpent, a crafty serpent. And he says to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? What he's trying to do here is he's introducing doubt. 
He's just, just that little twinge of doubt, just getting you to question. Just, just ask a question. Is that, is that really true? He does it by saying, did, did God really say that? Does God really want me to do this? Is this really my job? Sure, sure. I see this person over here who, who needs my help, but is that really something from God or is that just a coincidence? And it's specifically here the serpent gets the woman to doubt or to question God's word and God's will. Did God really say that you can't eat from this tree? Is that really what he said? Is that really what he wanted? Now, one of the things we have to understand here, and what he's trying to get the woman to doubt, is that God wants what is best for us. Because we're going to see it as this plays out, the, the lie that he's going to spin. And the doubt comes from, is God's word really what is best for us? Is following God's will really what is best for us? And there are all different ways that we're challenged with this. I already said before, when we see someone in need, or maybe when, when we're in a tough situation and it'd just be easier to tell that little white lie to get out of it. You know, do these pants make me look fat? And it's just easier to say, mm, no, no. <laughs> but is that really the best thing to do? It might seem easy at the time. It might seem best at the time, but is that really it? There's a couple other things that happen here. If we go on in verse 2 and 3, we see the woman's response. It says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. The first thing is the woman responds with something like God's words, but they're not actually God's words. If we go back to chapter 2, verse 17, what God says is, You but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The woman says that God said, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Did God say anything about touching the tree? No. It's not there. The, the idea might be there, but it's not there. She has this idea of what God said, but she doesn't exactly know. You know, she may have heard from Adam and just said, okay, that's good enough for me. But, but she didn't get in there herself and find out what the rules really were. And sometimes we can do this. We hear something that sounds like something God would say, so we go with it. Or we hear someone else say something and we just say, okay, that's good enough for me. Do, do we really get in there, get with God, and, and find out what's really there? Find out what the scripture really says. And that's important. When we're faced with doubt, and just having a doubt isn't wrong, by the way. We all have doubts. But when we're faced with doubts, do we just rely on what somebody else said, or do we get in there and, and really find out for ourselves? Not just something like God's word, but, but God's word in itself. And there's lots of things out there that are good. There's lots of study guides and helpful books and things like that to help us understand God's word, but they're no substitute for God's actual word. 
Second thing she does, we find out a little, a little later on that Adam was right there the whole time. But she never turns around and says, hey, Adam, what's up with this talking snake? Adam, what do you think about this? She's right there next to him, but he might as well be a thousand miles away because the two of them never come together in this, in this situation. The first thing that we find in the Bible that's not good is that Adam is alone. So God makes Eve to be his companion, to be his partner. And when does sin come in? When the two of them aren't working together. When the two of them aren't acting as one in this situation. Adam's right there. All, he had to, all she had to do was nudge him and say, hey, Adam, you know, what do you think about this? And this whole thing could have been different. But she says, no, I don't, I don't need him. I'm going to do it on my own. God gives us a family. No one is a Christian all by their, their own, all on their own, all by themselves. It doesn't work that way. He makes us a family. We're all part of the family of God, the body of Christ. And each one of us has a responsibility for and to each one of the other members of that body. Both for our own benefit and, and for theirs. So Satan asks the question and Eve responds and then he comes and asks again. And here comes, here comes the lie. It's the deception. Because we said... He is the father of liars, and lying is his native tongue. So you know there's going to be a lie in there. And he comes back with the lie. He says, you will not surely die. Have you ever heard someone say, if I'm wrong, let God strike me dead? We've heard that. Have you ever seen someone get struck dead when they say that thing, even though you knew they were wrong? No, no. We can hear things over and over and over again, and eventually we start to believe them. And in a few verses, Eve's going to take a bite from that apple. You know what happens? She doesn't get struck dead. She dies eventually. And that never would have happened if she wouldn't have eaten. And I said apple, it was just fruit. That never would have happened if she didn't do that. But they were expecting, oh, well, she was probably expecting you, you touch the fruit and you die. Oh, that didn't happen. Oh, wow, I'm not dead. Hey, and she, she bit the fruit. I'm still not dead. Look, Adam, I'm not dead. You try it. But over time, we start to believe these things. You know, that if, if you take a frog, and this is an old preacher story that, that we love to use, if you take a frog in a pot of boiling water, and you put the frog in the boiling water, it'll jump out because it's hot and doesn't want to be in there. But if you have a, a pot of room temperature water and you put the frog in there, it'll be fine. You turn the burner on underneath the water, and the frog will sit there. So the water gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter until eventually the water's boiling and the frog's just sitting there. And then frogs stew. But the same thing happens for us. 
that eventually over time we hear this lie over and over and over again and our defenses get worn down and worn down and worn down and eventually the consequence of disobedience is removed or it's changed because we don't see that immediate impact. We don't see that getting struck down by God. We lie once and we don't get caught. A few too many of those, no, no, you, those pants look great on you. Just those little lies. Or something bigger. I wasn't speeding down the road on my motorcycle. It wasn't me. <laughs> and a few more, you get, you, a few more times you say it, and a few more times and a few more times you don't get caught, all of a sudden, I can lie whenever I want to. It doesn't mean anything. Or we gossip about someone, and nothing bad happened. You know, they didn't hear about it. There was nothing wrong with that. We see someone in need and we walk by and then, you know, someone else comes along and they help them. So, oh, no harm done. We walk by somebody else and, oh, somebody else will take care of it. It's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility. And here we see the same thing happen. The liar comes to him and says, you're not going to die. Don't worry about it. And eventually, they, when they're there, they say, hey, you're right. We didn't die. And they start to believe that lie. Well, if he said this is true, then the other stuff he said must be true as well. We take, go down to verse 5. And now, here comes the real heart of it. Because the serpent, the tempter, the liar, comes in and says, I know what you really want. I know what's really going on here. And he plays to their selfish desires. He says, this, this isn't about the fruit. It's not about God. It's about you. What do you get out of this situation? What do you get out of this deal? In verse 5, he says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That sounds good, right? I will be like God. Wow. You picture Adam and Eve, and they're there, and they say, "What? God made all this stuff. I can't make anything. And God just, he appears, and he walks through the garden, and, and I'm kind of stuck here. Wow. This life in this perfect garden with all this fruit, and all the animals are friendly to us, and no problems, no worries. This is terrible compared to what God has. Now we look back and say, wow, that must have been the life. Lounging around, eating fruit all day. But Satan gets them to ask this question, what about me? How does this impact me? And the lie there is he's saying, God's keeping something from you. The reason why he doesn't want you to eat this fruit is because then you're going to be equal to him, and he wants to keep you down. He doesn't want you to get up to that same level that he is. That it's good out there, but God just doesn't want you to have it. He's holding back from you. And today, we hear something that sounds more like to ourselves. If, if you follow God, you're missing out on something that everyone else gets to have. That fun that everyone else gets to have. How much fun it is to just be drunk and forget all your problems. 
How much fun it is to be at the casino and strike it big and win all this money. If you don't do those things, you're missing out, right? Think about all the stuff that, that you're missing out. Man, telling the truth is hard when you know just a little lie can make things go so much easier. Or how about this one? When you see that person in need and you just say, well, I worked for what I have. Why should I give some of it up for them? Why don't they go and work? Why should I sacrifice for them? And all of a sudden, we're thinking twisted. Because up at the top, when things started, our focus was on God. And then as, as things go on and as we get twisted, our focus shifts. And we're not thinking about God anymore. Verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also not desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. The woman's focus here wasn't on the fruit. There was fruit all over the place in that garden. Any kind of fruit that she wanted was there. The fruit wasn't the problem. She saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. It was good for her body. It was pleasing to the eye. Oh, that looks good. I like the way that it looks. Eye. It was also desirable for gaining wisdom. Her focus here is on her. We're called to love God with our body, our mind, our soul, our heart. And here, she talks about her stomach, her body. Oh, that food looks good. Where's her stomach now? Where's her body now? Where's her strength now? Not focused on God, focused on her. Pleasing to the eye. It's been said over and over again that the eyes are the windows to the soul. She's looking at something and saying, wow, that looks good. Wow, that's what I want. Where's her soul directed now? At God? Or at what she can get for herself? It's good for gaining wisdom, her mind. Things get twisted. We're called to love God. And things get twisted when we love not God, but when we love ourselves. It has nothing to do with wanting the fruit or wanting to do evil. It comes from, from wanting what's going to be best what we think is going to be best for us now. God calls us to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when things look twisted, all of those things turn and look for ourselves. Now, this happens in, in all different areas. 
And we're going to look at some of those in, in the coming weeks. We're going to talk about money and freedom and love and guilt and success. All of these things are things that come from God that get twisted. That get twisted in our lives and don't lead us to him anymore, but lead us only to where we think we'll find happiness in ourselves. But that's not the way that it's supposed to be. And just knowing this isn't the, the best way to stop it. Because it started with Eve knowing that that tree was bad, that the fruit from that tree was bad. She knew that. that was, she did not have a doubt about that. And we can know all these things, but, but where Eve went wrong was that she was not spending her time following after God. She was not spending her time loving God. And it was easy to go from idleness to loving herself. Loving herself. And that's where we need to be today. We need to move from loving ourselves or from idleness to what am I doing to love God? It's been said that the best defense is a good offense. And as we talk about all these different areas, we're going to see if I'm not using this to love God, if I'm not doing something to love God with this, then I'm just one small step away from having it all twisted from having it all turned inside out, from having it all turned upside down, to having it all go in the wrong direction. Jim's going to come and lead us in our closing song, and, and there are parts of our lives here today where we have things twisted. Things are turned upside down, they're turned backwards, they're not the way that we want them to go. And if you've got one of those areas, something you want to talk about, something you say, yeah, I just don't know what to do with this. It's all twisted, it's all wrong then Jim and I are going to be up front. You can come and talk to us about that. Or if you say, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm following God at all, or I want to know what that's like, then you can come and talk to us about that too.